Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Kaboom! If you thought four hours a day, 1,200 minutes a week was enough... Think again. He's the last remnants of the old republic. A sole bastion of fairness. He treats crackheads in the ghetto gutter the same as the rich pill poppers in the penthouse. Wow. The clearinghouse of hot takes break free for something special. The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller starts right now. In the air everywhere. Welcome in. To another edition of the fifth hour with Ben Maller and Danny G Radio. The first edition of this podcast in the month of June. And while many of you have been screaming, shut up! Amazingly, we are still here doing the podcast weekend after weekend. This a spinoff of the radio show, but you already knew that. And it's Friday, and that means we get to chat with someone who is, at least in my mind, interesting. And today we have someone who is interesting to almost everyone. What a career this man has had and is still having, as we welcome in on the fifth hour, Ken Levine. Now, he is a Swiss Army knife. If you're not familiar with Ken, where have you been? Bad job by you. Uh, Swiss Army knife for the entertainment business, award-winning writer, director, producer, for television and movies, and has put together some of the most iconic parts of American culture. He has had a role in some of the great TV shows, MASH, Cheers, uh, worked on The Simpsons, uh, and, and a number of other projects that have been great uh, over the years. Uh, was a DJ in the glory days of radio, bounced around like you, you used to do in radio business, go from station to station, had a great name. Uh, we'll get into that. Has worked as a sports broadcaster and did play-by-play for the Baltimore Orioles, Seattle Mariners, San Diego Padres, Pittsburgh Pirates, Los Angeles Dodgers, among others. And that is where our paths crossed in Los Angeles. We worked together, myself and Ken, very briefly in the Dodger talk days. And Ken, I wanted to have you on here because when I was reaching out to you one of the things, I guess we'll start with this. When I was texting you and said, hey, Ken, can you come on the podcast? You reminded me immediately of the remote broadcast that you and I had to do together 
a long, long time ago. But is there anything that stands out, any, any uh, remote broadcast that we did in the early days of the sports station in L.A. that rise to the very top of your memory? You know, there are two in particular that I remember. The first was, since we would do Dodger talk before Dodger games, if they were on the East Coast and they had like a Saturday afternoon game, you and I would go on at like 9 o'clock in the morning on the West Coast. And uh, we had a remote from a tire store in Torrance. And we were sitting out there at nine o'clock in the morning. I don't even think the tire store was open at that point. <laughs> and, you know, we had the table set up and everything. And uh, it was like a lemonade stand. And cars were going by looking at that. Who are these idiots? You know, there was like <laughs> nobody that, that came to see us. And the other one I remember is it was uh, in the afternoon and it was at some car dealership in Orange County. And the other car dealer who was right next door uh, was having his gardening uh, done. And the guy with the leaf blower remember yes. was like four yes. feet from us and <laughs> you know and this is like afternoon drive in la and again nobody was was there to see us you know yeah. a couple of idiots sitting at a table uh, talking into microphones you know no one was yeah. if we'd given stuff away maybe yeah but otherwise no no one was going to see us well and the, the lemonade stand is the perfect visual that is why you're so good ken because that that's what it was like they they put a little cheap table down they'd wrap it sometimes they didn't even wrap it with the station logo and we, we'd be sitting out there and i did so many of those saturday morning shows i did a, a few of you and i did i did many and we'd go to like a, a jiffy lube and 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 I remember one time, one time, Ken, we were, I was doing it with Dave Smith and and we were we were so like, what are we doing here? You know, where, where's our lives at at this point here? There's no one here, you know, at a, a Jiffy Lube somewhere in the valley. And uh, I one time I went into the pit at the Jiffy Lube to interview the guy that was was fixing the, you know, repairing the cars or whatever. And the, unfortunately, I didn't factor in. Ken, the guy did not speak uh, English. And I don't really speak Spanish for it. It was very awkward. It was very, very <laughs> awkward. He was looking at me. I was looking at him. And it was a, it was a very weird uh, situation indeed in, in those days. And uh, But we had, we had a lot of fun back then. That was a good time. We, had, we did. I also remember filling in on the morning show. And we had the Kings head coach, Barry Melrose. And I knew nothing about hockey. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm like asking him these generic questions uh and i told the audience before the interview i know nothing about hockey let's see if i can get through this without him stopping and saying who are you you know nothing and so i would ask these generic so uh, how is your uh, defensive line uh, look this year and, uh, somehow i i managed to get through to the interview but and I, I had no idea what i was talking about but you know it's just los angeles radio you know, it's just the number two market. And so you have a guy hosting a sports talk show who knows nothing about a sport. Yeah. Well, which is perfect. And on that note, Ken, you'll appreciate this because you know, Tom Looney. So I was doing the, uh, an NFL show with Looney on Sundays. I did this for like almost 10 years at, at Fox and 
So we would have players on after the games. I guess we do an NFL show so that we'd have a reporter get one of the stars of the game on. And mm-hmm. so myself and Tom would try to ask these really deep polarizing questions, right? They really try to get to the heart of the matter. And, and we, we were going to win some kind of radio award by asking these NFL stars right after the game, these questions. And Ken, the answers were horrific. Right. So then Looney came up with the idea. There's a website called sportscliche.com. And I've, I've been a big supporter of it. I actually sent some cliches to them over the years. But anyway, so Looney's like, well, let's just ask him questions. Like, we'll just speak in cliches. And, and Ken, the answers were unbelievable after that. We'd be like, you really brought your A game today, didn't you? And, and the, the guys, <laughs> the guys were, yeah, I did. And they, it was, it was hilarious. It was so funny. <laughs> There's no I in team. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like that yeah. kind of stuff. Like that, the stuff from the uh, the old days. And and these guys were eating it up. It was so funny. We we would uh, Looney would ask a question and then turn the mic off, and he couldn't believe he asked the question, and he couldn't believe the answer was amazing. Uh, it was it was stunning uh, back then. But you you've done you know a ball player once said that to me there's no i in team and and i said to him and i won't, won't reveal who it was but i i said to him well no there's another spelling of it where i is in team <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it i love it so you you for those that know the story we'll get into it in a minute but you you had a chance you've done play by play for a bunch of big league teams over the years here, uh, at least three, I can count uh, maybe more, yeah. more, maybe more than that, but, but how much different is it? now you did, you're from LA. So, you know, the Dodger fans, but you worked in Baltimore, Seattle, uh, did some stuff in San Diego. Like is it San Diego? Yeah. yeah. Is it all and some fill in for the Dodgers and angels and pirates? Oh, cool. I didn't know about that. So how, how much different is it working in those cities as opposed to L.A.? Is, 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 it, is it all kind of the same or is it a lot different depending on the location? No, each city is is very different. Um, I found Baltimore to be, you know, very provincial. Um, the fans there, you know, some of them really got my act because I used a lot of humor and and others were just like, you know, just shut up and call the play-by-play. <laughs> and then I went to Seattle which was uh, a much more progressive type city. And I remember on opening night, uh, I came on and did the third inning. And, uh, and we were down like eight to nothing in the third inning to the Texas Rangers. And, and so I came on and I said, well, look, I'll you know, call the balls and strikes. We're down eight to nothing. I think the thing we should talk about is what was the stupidest Rocky movie? <laughs> and uh and people people love that okay i never would have tried that in baltimore they would have killed me uh but they they did dig it in uh in seattle so yeah there's different mindsets in uh in different cities um and uh you know la of course we were so spoiled for all those years to have vin scully uh, it's, it's a very different sports scene here. I mean, you think back to, you know, when I was growing up and we had Vince Scully doing the Dodgers, Dick Enberg doing the angels and Rams, you had Chick Hearn doing the Lakers and, uh, Bob Miller doing the Kings. And then for a while you had Bill King doing the Raiders when they were in LA. Um, boy, we were spoiled. We had some absolutely Hall of Fame magnificent announcers, 
and um, those days are gone. Yeah, well, long gone now. It's a lot. It's a lot different. As a play-by-play guy, is that a dying art? Radio play-by-play, or am I just uh, am I just going back to the glory days? You know, I think it is a dying art because of well, two things. Number one, uh, good luck finding an AM radio. Okay, that's true. If, if yeah. you go if you go into Target uh, or Best Buy and you want to buy an AM radio. They can special order it for you. Used to be everybody had transistor radios. So uh, there's not a lot of access uh, to to baseball broadcasts the way it, it used to be. And the other thing, too, is I think with social media that teams are so afraid of uh, criticism. So if you have an announcer who is opinionated or has any kind of personality, um, I think, you know, teams would be uh, reluctant to go with that today. And as a result, I think a lot of baseball broadcasting on the radio is very generic. It's very generic and it's very statistic heavy and analytics heavy. And uh, if, if you've got a bad team, you know, it's August and you're broadcasting the, the Pittsburgh Pirates or the Seattle Mariners, uh, you know, are you going to start talking whip and stuff like that? It's like, <laughs> who cares? You know, yeah. I think baseball is about, is about stories and personalities. And I think some of that is being uh, replaced by, by computers. And, you know, look, I know teams are trying to chase younger audiences so they're going, no, no, don't, don't talk about history. You know, we don't want to hear about Babe Ruth. Uh, but that's kind of the lore uh, of, of baseball. And to uh, not talk about that, to not be storytellers, uh, to not really just, you know, talk about the, the drama of the game, um, you know, to me, I think is kind of mortgaging baseball's future. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's just the radio business in general, maybe broadcasting where everyone and you work in the comedy world. You've worked in that in a long time. I think everyone's just like afraid to really put their neck out, take chances anymore. They want they want everything to be watered, watered down. But we'll, we'll get back to that. I wanted to ask you about your minor league days. You, you told some great stories when we worked together about uh, you, you weren't in the minor leagues a long time. You had a pretty. I was with the, uh, the Syracuse Chiefs for one year. Okay. Uh, they're the AAA affiliate of the Blue Jays, and then I spent two years with the Tidewater Tides, who at the time were the Mets' AAA affiliate. So I spent uh, three years, uh, long bus rides and thirty-degree weather in uh, Syracuse. <laughs> yeah. What was uh, the craziest? thing that happened in the minors there was one story and i don't i don't remember all of it but you were doing some play-by-play and some i remember you, you were just hurrying up the broadcast am i remembering it right what, what happened do you remember no this wasn't me no this oh, wasn't okay. me this okay. was okay this was a uh, a guy who was broadcasting in louisville and uh he <laughs> this guy was was truly a character and they were in des moines at the time and the press box in Des Moines, there was the press section where the print journalists sat. 
And then there was like an open window and the visiting broadcast booth was right adjoining it. And so they could hear the visiting broadcasters. So this guy in the morning meets some stewardess or something and, you know, makes a date to see her at the hotel lobby at 11 o'clock at night. Now the game is slow and he's looking at the watch and he's figuring at this pace, I'm never going to be able to, to make this date. So, you know, as the reporters, you know, mentioned, they said, well, suddenly, you know, as the teams are exchanging sides, like in the eighth inning, he starts calling the play by play, you know, and there's the first pitch and there's a ground ball to the second over the first one out. He's making up the play by play <laughs> for the last <laughs> inning and a half so he can get out of there at 1030 and make his 11 o'clock date. That, yeah. That, this guy, this guy was a, a true character. That is an all time wonderful Wonderful story. Uh, I love it. What's the craziest thing that you you yourself experienced when you were doing that in, in, in the play-by-play of the minor leagues? Uh, well, it's kind of a long story. Um, we were on a terrible radio station. You just couldn't hear us at all. In fact, it was so bad that when we went to nighttime power, uh, all of a sudden, anyone listening on the left field grandstands could no longer hear the station. You know, it was, it was that bad. Uh, and people of course used to complain. And, uh, I would say that, well, we're really just the flagship station of the worldwide Syracuse chiefs radio network. (laughs) And, uh, and I decided to talk about this on the air and say that, uh, and now we're on tonight, uh, I'd like to welcome everybody listening in the Imperial Palace in Bhutan has joined the worldwide Syracuse Chiefs radio network. And I would pause for station identification on the worldwide Syracuse Chiefs radio network. Uh, and, you know, this was just kind of a, a, a funny bit for the seven people who could actually hear the station. Yeah. And we had a third baseman, a real good kid named Norm Tanucci, young man out of Connecticut. And he was going through a terrible slump, just terrible. And, uh, and it was very tough because, you know, every time the guy comes up, uh, you got to go, well, here's Norm Tanucci. He's over June. His last hit was during the Carter administration, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, uh, and so as a way to diffuse that, I created this whole scenario that, uh, Norm Tanucci was a folk hero in Borneo. And I made up this whole story about how his, his dad had parachuted in behind enemy lines in World War II and saved the country, and that uh, 98% of the male babies were named Norm, and 97% of the female babies were named Norma, and that the currency was in Tanucha's. You know, and I would talk about this, and I even got uh, Norm to record a little thing for me when he came up uh, to bat. He would say, hi, this is Norm Tanucci, saying hi to all my friends in Borneo, listening on the Worldwide Syracuse Chiefs Radio Network. <laughs> so we would do this, meanwhile, night after night, 0 for 3, 0 for 4, 0 for 5, four strikeouts in a row, just, just terrible. 
And we started a road trip. We were in Oklahoma City. And his first at bat, he got a hit. And then he came up for a second at bat. And I talked about how, you know, delighted the people in Borneo were that, that Norm got a hit back in the third inning. And the next pitch, he just smokes. And it was just a, a thunderbolt. And my call was, there's a deep drive to left field. Steve camp back to the track, to the wall. No school tomorrow in Borneo. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. I love yeah, it. That's awesome. And, uh, and the, the uh, <laughs> general manager of the Blue Jays uh, heard about it, Gord Ash. And, uh, and I would bump into him in my travels in the big league. He went on to Milwaukee. And every time he saw me, it would be no school tomorrow in Borneo. <laughs> That's great. I love it. I love it. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Again, speaking of just in, in general, I know you wrote about this. You have a great website. A, should I say award-winning blog, Ken? Right? You've won praise. Uh, you're, you've done that a long time on, was it Ken Levine? Yeah, this is, this is my, yep. I shouldn't interrupt you while you're giving it. Uh, yeah, this is my 16th year. Uh, and you can, it's called buykenlevine.com or you can just go to Google and just go Ken Levine blog and, uh, and it'll take you right there. And I also have had a podcast for six years and everybody's having, even you. Have a I know, podcast. even I. Uh, yeah. And this is my podcast is Hollywood and Levine and uh, it's available wherever you can get podcasts, you know, on uh, Audible and Apple and Spotify and 
everything. And, you know, it's primarily entertainment oriented, but I do sports. Uh, I, I've had uh, Al Michaels as a guest and Joe Buck and Dan Horde, the voice of the Bengals, uh, Jason Benetti of ESPN. So from time to time, I do get some some sports people, but primarily it's actors and directors and writers. And then it's me telling stories like that Borneo story. You know, yeah. it's me just telling all these uh, tall tales of my checkered career. And I love the I actually have your podcast. It's on my my podcast list. And I, I love the production. You guys have some you got a little jingle going. I love it. I love the tunes, uh, the sound leading into it. It's wonderful. That's professionally done, Ken, unlike this podcast, which is very amateur. It's got a <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I was uh, an old radio disc jockey when I got out of college. So I'm into all of that. You know, I, I love production and jingles. Uh, yeah, a friend of mine um, runs the biggest jingle company in the world, Jam Productions, and as a favor, he made me a couple of, of jingles. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, no, it's, it's great. Kind of fun. I, and again, you don't yeah. hear it on most uh, podcasts. Most podcasts don't have jingles. No, no, I love the jingle. I think radio made a mistake when they, they downplayed the jingle years ago. And you, oh, before I forget, in your early radio days, you were not just a DJ. You had one of the great nicknames of all time. What was your on-air persona, Ken? Back? My on-air name was Beaver Cleaver. <laughs> I was Beaver Cleaver at WDRQ Detroit, uh, KYA San Francisco, KCBQ San Diego, K100 and 10Q in LA. You know, back in those days, disc jockeys all had these generic names. They were all Jim Edwards and Ed Mitchell. And I wanted something that was distinctive so that when you heard Beaver Cleaver, you know, you went like, wait, huh? What? Uh, so, you know, I did that. Also, I was able to, you know, do horrible double entendres uh, using the name. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what, when you when you first when you first came up with a name, Ken, what would the did the program program director say? What are you doing, Ken? You can't do that. Or were they OK with? No, he was OK with it. But the amazing thing is when I got to Los Angeles station K100 in L.A., and the program director was was truly a creep. And uh, and I was sitting in his office. I was going to go on the air and do my first show at six o'clock. And uh, and we're listening. And one of the jocks promoted me on the air and said, Beaver Cleaver tonight at six o'clock. I wonder if Eddie Haskell and Lumpy are going to be listening. <laughs> and the program director goes, what? What is he talking about? And I said, well, you know, uh, from Leave it to Beaver. And he goes, what's Leave it to Beaver? I said, you know, the television show, Leave it to Beaver. And he goes, wait, there was a television show called Leave it to Beaver? I wow. said, yeah. I mean, at the time, this guy is like 40, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. And he goes, oh, my God, you know, we're promoing the name. We can't, oh, my God, what happens if, you know, if we get sued? I said, you know, what happens is, uh, you know, we turn it into a publicity stunt and I change my name and we probably get on the local news. He goes, oh, my God, I don't know if we could do this. And he calls like the station manager and he goes, you know, you know, our guy is named Beaver Cleaver. He goes, yeah. He said, 
Yeah, it's there's a TV show, Leave It to Beaver. And the guy goes, Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, well, well, what happens if we get sued? You know, well, we'll just turn it into a publicity stunt, I guess. But I mean, how clueless can you be to be a a program director in 1974 and not have ever heard of the TV show Leave It to Beaver? Yeah. Uh, in his yeah. own in his own world, Ken, right? His own world, clearly in his own world. Exactly. And what was that? What exactly. was radio? I love radio. I'm a radio guy, and I I still work in radio, Ken, as you know. But I, the business has changed, even since I've been in it, which isn't that long. And but you were there, kind of in the glory days, right? Would you say that you were a DJ in one of the last great periods in radio? Is that an accurate portrayal of your broadcasting career? Because you you've done radio, oh, absolutely. Since, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I, I was I was a disc jockey back in the 70s when, you know, you could talk up to every record and, you know, you could talk between every record and uh, you had personality. And I mean, I was kind of Howard Stern before Howard Stern, uh, although it's interesting. I always maintain that the only way for me to get respect in radio is to get out of it. <laughs> that when I, I was starting out in radio, I'd have program directors telling me, shut up, you're not funny, just play the record, stop trying to be witty. And, uh, and then I became a TV writer, and now flash forward, and I'm doing a Saturday night show in Los Angeles at the station 10Q, and I'm the head writer of MASH, and all of a sudden everyone is saying, oh my God, got to listen to this guy he's so creative he's so funny he's he's just unbelievable you know and it's like i'm doing the exact same crap <laughs> i did in san bernardino you know in 1973 <laughs> the exact same crap and now it's like oh my god the guy is a comic genius you know this is the same guy is telling me shut up you're not funny yeah. Well, it's like I get, I get email, Ken, from people say, like, hey, you know, I want to get into radio. I want to be a sports radio guy. And I'm flattered by that. And I always say the quickest way to make a lot of money in sports broadcasting is to play quarterback in the NFL for a couple of years. And then that's that's Yeah. Yeah. That's the way yeah. to do it. They'll, they'll, they love three hundred seventy five million dollars can easily be yours. Now, Ken, have you ever you're a sports guy? You're more of a baseball guy. But have you ever watched an NFL game based solely on the announcer? Does that ever happen? No. Yeah. Exactly. No. Exactly. No. That's my point. exactly. Yeah, In yeah. fact, uh, on my podcast, I was talking to uh, a media expert, and we were talking about this, and and I was saying, you know, how these guys are getting huge money, and you know, God love Joe Buck, the the money that that he got. But I asked him the same question. I said, Does anybody tune in to a game because of of an announcer? No, you tune in to the game because of the teams. Yeah, a hundred percent. Of course, yeah, exactly. But yeah. hey, more power to him if you can get that kind of money. It's insane. Now, people think of you for when they think of Ken Levine, you're the writer. You've done a lot of great stuff. You and your writing partner David Isaacs. You mash cheers. These are part of the culture over the years in America. But for me, Ken, when I think of your success in Hollywood, I think of the fact that you helped inspire the name of a minor league baseball team based on something that you were part of with the Simpsons. Can you tell that story about how that happened? There's a minor league baseball team that has a nickname in large part because of you, Ken. 
That's right. That's my legacy is naming uh, the Albuquerque isotopes. When my partner David and I wrote an episode of The Simpsons, it was the Dance and Homer episode, which I'm also in as the announcer for the Springfield isotopes. Uh, you know, minor league teams usually will name their club based on whatever the big industry is in that town. And of course, there was a nuclear reactor. So we thought, all right, what's the funniest, goofiest uh, term that we can come up with? And, uh, protons and photons and, uh, and we isotopes. So we, <laughs> we called them the isotopes. And then the Albuquerque team uh, names themselves the isotopes. And I get calls from the local TV stations and newspapers saying, we'll, we'll talk about the derivation of the name and, and I say, you're not going to like this answer. We did it as a joke. <laughs> we did it because we thought it was the stupidest name possible. <laughs> but it's great because I've been there uh, and uh, got a chance to throw out the first pitch when I did Dodger Talk uh, for three years in Los Angeles at KBC. My partner was Josh Sushan, who is now the voice of the Isotopes. And so I went there for a weekend. I threw out the first pitch and, you know, down in the dugout and he's introducing me to the players. And one of the players uh, goes, oh, you're the, you're the reason that, you know, I'm embarrassed and humiliated around the league having to wear a uniform with this stupid name. And I said to him, well, then play better and get in the majors. <laughs> Great <laughs> okay? line. That's one. Yeah. Then don't blame me. You know, then then maybe hit better than two eleven in in the minors, and you you can go up and be a, an actual Colorado Rocky. That's outstanding. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge, or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum! And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Is it harder to write for a cartoon, Ken, or is it harder to write for like just a regular TV show? What's the uh, what's the the, the mindset? I think it's harder to write for real people. Yeah, I mean, cartoons you have so much latitude you can pretty much go anywhere and do anything um but it's a little bit different when there's like actual actors grounded in reality uh you know when you know they're they're looking at you like you just killed their puppy because <laughs> <laughs> you know they don't like a, a certain line uh yeah it's it's a little bit harder to write for actual human beings does your episode of the simpsons does it still they've so there's so many years of the simpsons does oh it still sure pop up? yeah yeah well, of course it does yeah 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 that's great yeah do you get paid for that you, you were on there you, i got yeah. a one cent residual i literally got a one cent residual yeah about a month ago so next time we get together dinner is on me outstanding we'll go to the soup kitchen i hear the food's very yeah. good down there yeah uh so now as a writer though ken let's get into the hollywood stuff so everything we talk about radio the radio business everything's kind of generic these days everyone's afraid to take chances but writing comedy to me that's one of the last couple of years things have been kind of wonky all over the place but comedy everyone's so afraid to offend anyone as a comedy writer ken how can you write comedy today in this in this environment we're in right now? It's got to be very difficult to do that. Almost impossible. You know, it's it's extremely hard. And um, I'm glad I'm not in it full time now because, you know, you're right. And Larry Gelbart, who was like the Sandy Koufax of TV comedy writers, once had a great line and said, if you write a joke that offends nobody, go back and rewrite it. You know? Yeah, sure. Um, comedy is supposed to be, uh, you know, subversive. You know, comedy is is supposed to be in your face. And, um, you know, if, if you're just so afraid of offending people, you're so afraid that you make some, you know, silly joke and you're suddenly you know branded racist um you know uh it's it's incredibly hard to write comedy i used to for my blog i would do these snarky award show reviews mm -hmm. i can't do that anymore you know i mean it used to be you could make fun of people wearing bad dresses you can make fun of, of people saying stupid things. And now if you do that, it's like, well, that's body shaming. And, uh, you know, oh, he's targeting Asians. And, you know, it's like, no, I'm not. I'm, you know, this, this guy happened to say something stupid. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, for sure. Uh, for sure. If he was Lithuanian and said the same stupid thing, I'd say the same stupid thing. You know, I'm not targeting anybody. So I just stopped doing it. Yeah. And that, you know, and that was like, great. Who needs yeah. the aggravation? Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's really sad. No, it, it is. And, and what's it going to take to get back to the, the days where you could do that? Because it's, it's all driven by social media, but as you know, Ken, social media is not necessarily based in reality. It's a, it's its own world. I think people take way too much off of social media thinking that's <laughs> the real world. I don't think, it is. I mean, it's a version of the real world, but there's a lot of fake stuff going on there. But uh, these media companies, in my my position, it feels like they're just whatever social media says. Oh, that's we can't do this. We can't do that because of social media. But most of social media is people getting on there and just complaining, isn't it, Ken? Am I wrong on that? It seems like that's what. No, I think I think you're right. Uh, look, I think it's a pendulum. Um, you know, society changes, and you know, comics who were the rage you know, all of a sudden find themselves out of favor. Uh, I just saw a great documentary on George Carlin. And for a period of a number of years, he was very cutting edge. And after a while, he became passe. So it, it changes. And I think what's going to happen is something will come along, uh, an all in the family or a Howard Stern or something will come along uh, to fly in the face of all of this and it will become very popular and then people will respond to it and go, you know what? We're, we're tired of walking on eggshells. God damn it. This is funny. We're going to laugh. And, and then it'll shift again. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, I just think it's, it's a pendulum, but we're really kind of, you know, in a, in a bad place. Oh, I, I completely, I'm right there with you. And so on that note, there are good things like the, as you said, the Hollywood and Levine podcast, which is great. And is that how many episodes you do one a week or more than that? What are we looking at here? No, I do one a week. Okay. Uh, it's about a half an hour. Cause I figure that's all people can stand on the treadmill. Uh, yeah. And I'm up to, I think like episode 278, 279. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's There's great. a lot, a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of, fun interviews. I also do commentary tracks on episodes that I've co-written or episodes that I've directed, um, stories, writing advice, um, stories about baseball, samples of my play by play. And, uh, you know, just, uh, whatever the hell I want to talk about, man. That's right. Basically what, it, basically what it comes down to is whatever the hell I want to talk about. Yeah. When you wake up that morning, whatever you want to talk about, you talk about. Well, Ken, thank you. I've, I've kept you long enough. As you said, the 30-minute rule. I think we've gone over the 30-minute rule for the treadmill. So I, I think in, we got to catch up in well, person. Hopefully, hopefully nobody has a heart attack listening to this. Yeah, we do not want that. All right. Thank you, Ken. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you, Ben. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? 
You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.